Ladies and gentlemen, the spectacular Spider-Man! Face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. Otto Octavius was weak. Call me Dr. Octopus. From now on, we're poison to Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Spider-Man! Threat or menace? Someone is so getting the look. Tell me there's something better. Go ahead, try. Welcome back to another episode of Spectacular Radio. I'm Zach Joyner, the executive producer and webmaster of Spidey-Dude.com, executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Of course, this is not the show that I host. No, we have our host, the man, the myth, the legend... Greg Bashansky. How many more times do I have to keep saying that you guys are my co-hosts? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You're not my panel. You're my co-host. But anyway. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's not referring to anything or anyone specifically, Zach. Why are you getting all offended for? Oh, dear God. Okay. Anyway, moving on. But anyway, I do want to thank you for the introduction. And I would like to also introduce... Mr. Gerard Delatour, who is joining us again, he was really we were really happy to have him last time, and we're happy he's with us again this time. Yeah, I, I, it got hairy when I was looking for the Ark of the Covenant, but now that I found it and I've managed to return, I had the whole thing with Area Fifty One. There was all sorts of oh, stuff. Oh wow, but... you actually you actually <laughs> did listen to the previous fan panels where I made the list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back now. I got I managed to. The the important thing was that knowledge was the treasure. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> this belongs in a museum. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> Especially now. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that a swipe of the fact that um, Harrison Ford is like 75? Oh, I thought you were taking a swipe at my age. Okay. No, yeah. no, no, no. Hey, I just yeah. turned 39. <laughs> I'm, I'm 36 next month. All right. But um, before we get huh? started, though, we are fast approaching our finale. We're entering the final arc of the season, and sadly, the final arc of the series, the drama arc. And um, as we march towards our finale, once again, we want to hear from you. We want voicemails. We want emails. We for our fin- finale episode of Final Curtain. Yes, and the voicemail line is eight one eight nine two five six six three one. That's eight one eight nine two five six six three one. And, of course, the email address is SpectacularRadio at gmail.com. Yeah, so please write us. We, w- we want to hear from you. We will read your email in the air. We will play your voicemail. Tell us how much you you like us, how much you like the show, or even if you hate us, write in. We want to hear. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, did I kill your mother and rape your father? Tell me. I want to know. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that got dark. Okay. If, you, if you're, Does Bendis still have the Bendis forums? Does that still exist? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> finally shut those down. I was going to say, because if you remember the Bendis forums, tell me to jump out of a window like you did that time I gave Shed a bad review. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I had, I had never been on the Bendis forums before, and somebody told me to go over there, and I went over there, and they were all telling me that I should commit suicide through various means, and I was like, this sounds like a really nice place. <laughs> and we want to hear from you. Yes, please. How? What kind of testicular torture would you like me to perform Whoa. on myself? Whoa. Okay. <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus. There is no God here. Oh, good Lord. Okay, anyway. Yeah, there is. Lord, I, 
Guys, it's it was Jack Kirby. Oh wait, never mind. Uh, yeah, uh, wait, who was that? Who, who has God's number? It was my collaborator. Nuff said. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite bits from Fantastic Four. I love that run. I do. Oh. I have the whole run on trade now. Again. Oh, speaking of that, is a perfect segue into what have we been doing, reading, watching while under quarantine thanks to COVID. I have read a ton when this whole started i ended up buying a ton of fantastic four trades i bought oh. the i ended up with the entire burn run the entire wade run and and the first two trades of the hickman run a lot of it really good stuff except the hickman part but, but yes i agree a lot of good stuff there but it's but everybody else loves the hickman run why can't you just love what everybody else loves gerard Zach, if I decided I wanted to do a podcast and I and I was reviewing like, you know, an episode of Spectacular Spider-Man, for example, and then I, right before the end, I just decided to just not show you the last five minutes of the review. And instead, I brought up a text page that just says what happens. And I do that multiple times. And then I start getting even lazier and I start putting those in the middle of episodes where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, just not even bothering to record any of this stuff. That's what the Hickman run is. <laughs> Hickman's run, Fantastic Four is, let me do a story, okay, and then I'll stop, and the last page will be a text page. That's It's like the end of, you know, Senator Blutarski and his wife, uh, ran out. like, it's terrible. That is not, a, it's a visual storytelling medium. Why would you do that? Okay, can I just say that I love the Doom and Valeria relationship? You can. I can disagree with you, but I, you're allowed oh. to have that opinion. But we're not talking about that. No, I never. I didn't even last that long. I rage quit long before that. <laughs> so, like I say, it's uh, yeah. No, I um, so I've been so, yeah. I've been reading a lot of Spencer about him during quarantine because you know I'm doing a new show called Spider Experience. Yeah, I've, I've reread a bunch of that recently. I'm probably gonna have to do that again at some point, maybe for your show, maybe not. We'll see. Maybe. See, I also picked up while under quarantine the first four Amazing Spider-Man omnibuses, collecting the entire Stanley run and most of the Conway run. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so those are. I'm really happy to have those, and I've been watching a lot of things, a lot of older things. I mean, uh, let's see. I've been watching a lot. Most I went back and watched sitcoms. Before Netflix took it off, I rewatched all of Cheers. Then I rewatched a bunch of Seinfeld. And I've been on DVD rewatching Married to Children. And this is the second DVD release, the one that puts the correct theme song. Yes, not, <laughs> not the crappy uh, Muzak version that they had. <laughs> not love and marriage, not love and marriage. Yeah, if you, yeah. Watch, if you watch the show on Daily Motion, it's the crappy Muzak version. Yeah, no, and let's see what else. Um, I discovered a couple weeks ago that Hasbro on their YouTube channel, and I've got uh, an Apple TV while at work. Hasbro's been streaming 1985 GI Joe episodes, so that's been fun to revisit. It's like the goofiest and yet most badass at the same time James Bond movie, <laughs> but with a cast of 135 characters. So that's why you were making references to Sergeant Slaughter recently. Okay, yeah, now I got it. Now we understand. <laughs> And now you know, yeah. and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! <laughs> nice, they're not even playing. you got that stereo, that's the best. <laughs> yes! They're, they're not even playing all the episodes, just about 40 of them. They stop at Arise or Pentor Arise. No! That's where it gets awesome! <laughs> Come on! I mean, we get those five episodes, but then we don't get any of the ones after that, but... Oh, oh. that's disappointing. 
It's so fun. <laughs> the, the, all, the amalgamated uh, DNA of all these world leaders. Let's now get away with showing footage of Adolf Hitler on a children's cartoon. <laughs> that didn't happen here. That actually happened on Amazing Friends, though. <laughs> Wait, they didn't actually... I, just, I, could, I could swear they showed, like quick like li- like clips of the all the leaders that they mentioned were thrown into maybe i'm remembering there it wrong are no 20th century political figures i think they made a point to avoid those oh. so and by the way it, it, people are like oh i want to watch all the spider-man cartoons on disney plus let me get on my rant for a minute <laughs> here we go listen listen you 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 young whippersnappers the reason why that this this fantastic show and the not fantastic show that was the the new adventure the new spider-man animated series sorry neil patrick harris love you but uh, that show's not good um aka the mtv series the reason why those two particular shows are not on disney plus is because sony owns those shows Yes, same reason why the uh, the MCU Spider-Man movies are not on Disney Plus, despite being part of the MCU. Yeah, it's because Sony still owns the the IP of Spider-Man for movie purposes. So and they can't the, have that on there either. So the way that it would happen to get all of those on there is they'd have to make a distribution deal with Disney for Disney Plus. That's the only way it's going to happen. But Disney Plus is going to want exclusivity like they have with the rest of the MCU and the rest of the of the cartoons. Um, in a perfect so, in a perfect world, Sony still has the TV rights and Marvel and Disney have the movie rights because then, as we discussed last time, I don't think Kevin Feige would have been making these weird choices. Exactly. Yes. So like I say, I know that there is a lot of people at Disney Plus like, why isn't this on Disney Plus? That's why. It's, it's called business. It's, it's, also called... Why, it's also why the 67 series isn't on there. Who owns that? I think CBS still technically owns it. Yeah, I believe you're right. See, Disney ended up owning the 90s show and you know, all that stuff by accident because they had bought Fox Family. Mm-hmm. When Fox owned all those shows, and somehow that was part of the package deal. It was that because it was also when they uh, when they bought Power Rangers, they bought all of Saban Entertainment. Saban took over the X Men and Spider Man cartoons, even mm-hmm. though they didn't originally create those. He bought those rights. Saban did. So when they bought the Power Rangers rights with Saban Entertainment, they bought the rights to the Spider Man cartoon and they all yeah. Yeah, it was around. The, it was when Fox Family became ABC Family. That was all part of like some weird amalgamation of deals that they did. But yeah, I, I'll freely admit, I am I, I am not and have never been a Power Rangers fan. But I know it was a lucrative property. I'm amazed Disney sold that. Yeah, it's now owned by entirely by Hasbro. They own Transformers and Power Rangers now. Completely. I, I guess it, it, Disney mismanaged. Megatron that. could kick Rita's ass. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, of course. No. uh... Disney mismanaged Power Rangers. It's considered to be like their their dark age of like Power Rangers fandom. I'm not even a fan of the Power Rangers. I'm quite aware of how yeah. they'd look down upon that era and basically had to refresh the palette as soon as they got it away from Disney. Oh man, I mean as soon as Saban basically, you know, bought it back for trinkets, um the first thing he did was send it back to the Nickelodeon and it got kind of good. But then they, they, the funniest part was like they they decided because the Japanese version of the show had like every ranger come back in costume, 
like for an episode for like this big giant climactic battle. Then they tried to bring back all the original actors, but they only like plucked random random original actors from the series. So like <laughs> a very much older Tommy Oliver shows up. The best part was this past season they brought back uh, the uh, Austin St. John, and then they actually put him in the costume. You can tell that he's gained a significant amount of weight. He looks Sir, like a, he you... looks like a, he looks like it's it's it's, a, it's the Red Ranger with a dad bod. I was gonna say, sir, you should not be talking about that. Listen, I I, I am not an am actor. I, I'm gonna ask Earth X Spider Man. Yes, yes. <laughs> like if you watch that little like they they teased it. It was funny. They they took a clip and they teased it on Twitter. For the episode, I'm like, oh my god! Like, I hit pause, and I'm like, they actually put Austin St. John back in the suit. <laughs> oh, and I should I should talk about what I've been doing during quarantine at some point. Before you do that, yeah, I, you... I was I was gonna say I made a, uh, po- a, a, a I mentioned yeah I said Megan Trunk could kick Rita's ass a few minutes ago, but I only I I barely even know who she actually is. The only reason I was aware even today was because. For fun, I took a photo when I got that classified Baroness figure with my custom Demona figure, and I put up the caption under it, making young fanboys balls drop since 1982 and 1994. <laughs> then someone asked me, what about Rita? And I said, who's Rita? Then when I hey. showed him, I looked at her like, who's she, whose balls is she going to make drop? What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Dude, if you, if you want to have the, the biggest mindfuck in the world, watch the original Japanese version of Rita Repulsa. Oh my god, she sings and dances. She, dude, she has like entire musical numbers and then if you watch like the like the the footage from japan there's like the the minions at one point have randomly musical instruments you don't notice that shit as a kid but as an adult it's like oh dude it was the face of my nightmares oh my goodness i i again i'm not a power rangers guy somebody was trying to troll me and sent me a clip from the japanese version and it was rita doing like her big number and i'm like Okay, I know enough about Power Rangers to know who Goldar is. Why is he singing back up on a musical number? This is very strange. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, I think it was in fact Josh Bertonic that, that sent you that. <laughs> but you know what? I kind of feel bad now. I want to walk that back a little bit. You know what? If Rita Repulsa made your balls drop, you know what? The world is a rich tapestry. More power to you. It was probably when they when they. Uh, made her pretty with the uh, because they ran out of archival footage during the Lord Zed era when they brought her back so they had to bring a different actress. Now, well no it's, it, it's, I know it's, I know who he is. <laughs> yeah. It's not that they ran out of footage, it's that they wanted her to interact with Lord Zed. Yeah. So you had to bring in an actress to actually do that. Yeah. And yeah, so R.I.P. original actress. She actually passed away yeah. a few years back. But anyway, this is not a Power Rangers show, and we we're 15 minutes in, and we're t- <laughs> Hold on now. I want to talk about what I've been doing yeah, yeah. What have you been doing during quarantine, uh, Gerard? I've been working, because <laughs> I don't have quarantine. I'm not quarantined. No, uh, but I did f- squeeze in some time to watch a few things. I finally... Finally, watched all of the Harry Potter movies, which people have been bugging me to do for years. What did you think? And, um, they they vary wildly in quality, but yeah. I feel like there's a bell curve. I really don't like the first movie. No one does. The second, Is it Chris Columbus a, movie? What do you expect? Second one's all right. It's not great either. But third one, you can see the like the 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 ramp is shooting upwards. Fourth one is my favorite. Like fifth one is also great. 
It's starting to come back down a little bit. Six one, not so good. Seventh movie, oh god, what are they doing? And then it just kind of it suddenly ramps back up because the last one is pretty good. Yeah, for what it, for what it's trying to do. But man, those middle movies, like three, four, and five, are my yeah. Are my favorite. I'm like, you know something. I know I'm really super late to the party. I haven't read the books. It took me many years to watch these. I think I'm a fan of Harry Potter. I can say I understand why people like these movies, you, though. You, you just and made then, my girlfriend's day. And then, <laughs> but don't go to J.K. Rowling's Twitter account. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> yes. Well, it's, yeah. Ra- it's also Ray Fiennes, and that guy's pure gold. Yeah. <laughs> I pardon you. I pardon you. I pardon you. You filthy mudblood, I don't pardon you. How many of you get that <laughs> reference? It's a double reference. Uh, nice. Harry Potter is dead! <laughs> I, love, I, love, I, I love how he I... hugs Draco Malfoy at one point, and he does it in the most awkward way. It's like, I've seen this before, I don't know quite know, understand what it is, and I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> yes. Um, I also have been, of course, playing a lot of video games. I have to make a high, uh, a great suggestion for all you PS4 owners out there. If you have not played Ghost of Tsushima yet, please do so. Oh, God, my brother just played that. He was raving about it, and then after he raved about it and talked about everything in the game, I said I recommended a podcast to him, which was done by Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, Wrath of the Cons, all about Genghis Khan and his kids. <laughs> yes. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, it's basically it's a samurai game about a, uh, a guy trying to defend his homeland against the first Mongol invasion from the 13th century, I believe, which was an actual historical event. Um, the characters in the game are fictional, but it's it's basically like a, a historical fiction it's, it's, kind of story. It's kind of like Assassin's Creed, but like in Mongolia. Well, no, it's in Japan, or Japan. It's on Tsushima Island, but yes... Um, and it's about, you know, there's a lot of important themes and shit like that. I don't really want to get into it, but it, it, it's it's an emotional ride. You wouldn't think so from from looking at what it is, but it's one of the best games I've played in a long time. I, I Maybe, I'm still batting around whether Horizon Zero Dawn is better than this, but it may be the best game on PS4, which is Ooh. insane. Yeah. But, 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 but Gerard, isn't there a game with a guy that swings webs? Yeah, the third best game on PS4. <laughs> I, I played this one. I have played this one. Yeah, no, I, I highly recommend everyone go out and play Ghost of Tsushima. Before um, you, I, yeah, before we move on to that one, I just want to say that when my brother was playing it and I watched some of it, we made jokes about our ancestors. And the reason why is we are descended from my father's side of the family from Ukrainian Jews. And if you know what that means... Yes, I understand this reference, yes. Yes, it means that after Genghis Khan died, his son Ogadai was going to continue the conquest of the world, and around that time when Ogadai was in charge, they swept into the Ukraine, and uh, let's just say we're of Mongolian descent. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I think at one point they, they said that Genghis Khan was probably a direct ancestor to like 25% of the world or something, the world's population or something like that. I could believe it. Yep. Grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> see, see I, I've, I've, on my dad's side, we've traced we've traced our lineage all the way back to, to uh, I, I'm so, pa- I'll tell you how painfully white I am on my dad's side. We, we trace 
through British royalty all the way back to to Norway and 980 AD where the king where the, I can't remember the king's name but it, he claimed to be the son of Odin <laughs> oh geez so yeah so that's 980 AD I believe 14 years later uh, there was some kind of incident involving a gargoyle clan where they were all frozen in stone yeah, yeah exactly by by Odin worshippers. No, no, no. They yeah. the clan, but yeah. <laughs> there, were, there were Vikings involved. Yes. Maybe, yes, maybe yes. someday there will be a podcast about this show. Maybe someday. Someday. Maybe. 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 Soon. Rather than later. <laughs> 2021. Um, but no, uh, uh, quarantine has is, is not been as much uh, fun for me as it has been for most people because I'm not quarantined. I'm still working so that people can come by and buy beans and all sorts of uses. and rice and, and toilet paper and 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 uh, text your 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 one of your best pals and say hey if you need if you need shit tickets come get them now <laughs> and, and, and be and being handed it out like it's it's rations on an army base a few days <laughs> before my office closed before we even got the notice i was in the walgreens and i said and i saw a bunch of rolls of toilet paper some huge packages and i bought like five of them <laughs> also, uh, uh, one other thing, the, the major thing that I've done during this uh, quarantine is obviously I built a PC, finally, as I was planning to do since Zach destroyed my last one. I, well, and <laughs> don't, don't try. You're not an intentional. It was an accident. Let's let us let's. I never said you did it on purpose. Okay. All right. It is factually accurate to say that you destroyed my computer. So I will continue to say so to make you look bad and you should feel bad. I already feel bad. But anyway, so I finally got around to building it, hence why I suddenly have returned to podcasting activities, because I can now record and edit again and all sorts of things like that. So, Excellent. So, so we have some Mayday Monday's recordings done, and you will be seeing those episodes rolling out at some unspecified point in the future. Yes. And I assume, yeah. that's, and I assume that's you and Zach again? So far, well, oh, I don't want to spoil things. Ooh. So far, Zach and I have recorded, but there are other... Some fresh voices that you may not have heard on the show before that'll be on there, and yes. then others, other familiar ones. I don't want to get into it too much. But yeah, uh, and we also have a brand new show on the Spidey Network that's uh, debuting later. I'm talking here about what I was doing during quarantine. You be quiet and get in your crappy plugs later. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go. Oh, Gerard, I've missed you so much. Getting <laughs> the abuse like in person. He just like, shriveled in person like a, like a grape that's lost all of its moisture. <laughs> well, well, I just became a California raisin right now. Anyway, so speaking of new content on the Spidey Radio Network, we have a brand new flagship show, guys. It is called the Spidey Dude Experience. I announced this on our front page and on Facebook and Twitter. Um, it is due to be out on uh, Labor Day weekend, twenty twenty. So that is still on track for for release, and so be sure to check that out up on our front page. Also, it'll be available on i or excuse me, it's no longer iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts. Uh, so Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify and Podbean and TuneIn and Stitcher and all those all your favorite uh, podcatchers. And of course, Greg will be able to listen to on his favorite podcatcher, which is Podcast Addict. 
Uh, yeah, we, we probably should mention that as a programming note. Uh, Google Play Music is actually going to be ending as a as a service. Mm-hmm. They're actually refunding people that had subscriptions and things like that. It's not just the podcast section that I like we originally thought. They're actually ending the entire service. So um, if you subscribe to our shows through uh, Google Play Music, which our shows are all on there. Yeah. Um, Actually, I don't think Clone Sire Chronicles is, but Spectacular Radio is, Mania Mondays is. You're going to have to resubscribe to the new feed. Um, We're going to have to actually set that up manually. It will not be transferring over automatically. So uh, keep your uh, eyes and ears peeled so that you can make sure you do that, so that you don't lose listening to us if you use it through Google services. Thank you for the reminder because I needed to get that done, and I forgot to do it last week. So I will will ensure that hope that by this – episode's release it should be fixed but if it's not be sure to send us an email at spectacularradio@gmail.com, or you can email uh, the network email which is network at gmail.com you can also uh, email us at spectacularradio at gmail.com to have your letter read during the final episode when we do final curtain we really want to hear from you and also leave us a voicemail Zach what is that number it is 818-925-6631 that's 818-925-6631. We're really going to this up because we really want to hear from you. <laughs> exactly. Why such a random number? Because I was looking for a number that had the word clone in it because I, I created it for Clone Saga Chronicles originally. But it is actually for every single show on our network. Be sure to leave it under three minutes and let us know where you're from and what show you're calling about. I do mention that on the uh, little voicemail that's on there. But uh, just as a reminder, be sure to leave it under three minutes. And tell us where you are from and what show you're calling about. So that's 818-925-6631. Or if you are if you like words, it's 818-9-CLONE-1. All right, but before we, we dive into the episode, we were meant, you mentioned video games and you mentioned Spider-Man PlayStation 4, really great game. Uh, I don't think we've discussed the Miles Morales game. Is, is that a sequel? Is that a spin-off? I mean, okay, there's so... a lot of confusion. I'm going to let Gerard take this because he, he can explain I, it. My better. presumption based on uh, – for example, it, it's, I think – I believe it is a kind of mid-budget spinoff game. So it will probably reuse the same map and et cetera, and it will be a Miles Morales kind of smaller scale, not quite as long as the, as the previous one. But it's kind of – think of it like Spider-Man 1 and a half. Right. Yeah. It'll, it'll be something along those lines. Um, it's going to be on PS4 and PS5. So it's going to be one of the, I believe, one oh, of the launch titles. Yeah, it's going to be on both systems. Okay. Uh, it'll probably be out around launch for PS5, whenever that is. They haven't officially announced a date, probably right. in November. But yeah, it should be around, out around that time scale, but it is still on the PS4 as well. Yeah. Now, uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, because I think I might have read, I don't, I, I'm, I may be confusing it with Avengers. Um, if you buy it on PS4, do you automatically get the PS5 version? Not that I've heard, but the PS5 is backwards compatible. So if you buy it on PS4, you'll be able to play it on PS5. Because I know on certain games like the new Avengers game, uh, I know EA is doing this with like Madden and I think FIFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can If you buy the PS4 version, you automatically get the credits for the PS5 version because there will be some, some subtle differences like in the gameplay and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully they do that same thing with Miles Morales, but it is, it, it was, I, I, I kind of got the feeling that there was like, it was very divided fan base. Cause there was like people that were really hoping that there was that Spider-Man PS five would be, you know, a launch title. 
Yeah, there, there's some confusion going on here. I think a lot of people think that this is the sequel. It's it, not. It is not. It's intended to, as like a kind of holdover. If you've played like um, Infamous Second Son, for example, um, they released like a spinoff game called Infamous First Light, which was basically it reused part of the map and it was a side story featuring one of the side characters. It, this is essentially the same thing. You're taking a side story of Miles Morales set in the same universe that will probably reuse a lot of the assets, something they could put together quickly while they were working on the next major installment. Basically to whet the appetite of people because it's going to be so many years between, I mean, it's going to be like three years by the time they, and I'm glad that they're not making it a launch title because I feel like Insomniac would have been really rushed. There was a lot of excitement when they were, when they first got the dev kits for PS5 because they loaded up Spider-Man. They're like, this thing is going to load so much faster with the, uh, with with the way they're doing the solid state drives and the RAM and the processing on it. So like, I know that there was a lot of excitement with Insomniac specifically. And of course, Insomniac was bought by Sony. So all you Xbox users will never, ever, ever get the, the awesomeness of the Spider-Man games <laughs> because Insomniac is now a first party developer for Sony and Sony has the exclusive rights. That's why you, you Xbox gamers and PC gamers will not get a Spider-Man in the Avengers game. Sorry. They might eventually come out on PC. Sony's actually been releasing a few of their exclusives there now. Oh, have they doing it? Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we don't know when the PS5 is coming out officially yet. They haven't actually committed to a date still. And we're in, the, we're in yeah, as, as a recording, we're in late August. Yeah, we're late August, almost September. And, and the assumption is holiday 2020. But I also know that they, if they were trying to get into mass production during the, the, the peak COVID, I, I don't know, because, I mean, you're looking at things like Samsung luckily did enough production before the COVID-19 hit that, like, all their flagship phones are going to be coming out on time. But, like, Apple, a lot of Apple's new stuff that's going to that's normally being announced, you know, in September and coming out in September is going to be pushing to October, possibly November as a result of 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 the hit so i'm wondering if there is going to be a little bit of a delay with sony with the ps5 because well i guess we'll see i mean then again there's some things i'm surprised that are coming out i mean uh despite covid somehow the kubrick for neckbeards cut is still coming out on hbo max <laughs> oh i'm glad you know i believe you mean the Zack snyder cut of justice league sir no, yeah. I meant the Kubrick for neckbeards cut. Uh, <laughs> this is this is where the pretentious film critic of uh, of Greg Bashansky comes out. But there was oh, a lot of people no, that wanted to no, say no, your cut. Uh, excuse, excuse me, sir. That is not a pretentious film critic thing. That is if someone who has good taste in film <laughs> thing. Because Justice League is the drizzling shits. <laughs> okay, like let's just say it for what it is. I, I love how like all of a sudden there are they're, they're going to bring in Darkseid. They're going to add an hour worth of footage and like oh. how much like. I, I kind of want to get a documentary of the Snyder Cut. Look, we, we, we've talked about this before. Maybe not on this show. We've talked about this before off camera or off microphone, so to speak. People kept saying, release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. And I kept insisting to people, it does not exist. They have to finish effects. They don't have a soundtrack for it. There are, yeah. there are scenes that had to be shot. It didn't exist. They had no incentive to ever release it. 
However, now that they have a streaming service they need they need stuff for, now that they haven't been releasing films in theaters because of, of, of COVID-19, they have incentivized reasons to now return to it and go back into making it. That's why it's not coming... You know, if the Snyder Cut existed, it would have been on HBO Max at launch. Right. It's not yeah. coming out until 2021 because they actually have to make it now. Yeah. They have to go back with their editing notes and reconstruct it. They have to. Henry Cavill is actually half-ass confirmed that they have to reshoot parts of it because he, they need shots that they never got the first time around. They're going to have to recompose the score. They're going to have to redo all the visual effects, etc. It, it's it's a new movie. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, and, I, and Zach, I just want to say, you know what, I'll. You know what? You, you refer to pretentious film critic Greg Wachanski. You know what? I'll cop to it. I admit it. I have been not <laughs> with Zack Snyder, though. Here's the thing about Zack Snyder. I've often said this. He is basically a lot like Michael Bay, but whereas Michael Bay knows he is trash and makes trash and embraces it, Zack Snyder does not have that kind of self-awareness. There's a reason I call him Kubrick for neckbeards, because this guy thinks he's Stanley Kubrick. He thinks he's this great, misunderstood artiste, when really he's just... Michael Bay. Yeah, he's Michael Bay. Without the cell phone. Yeah. (laughs) Michael Bay made that commercial. Was it it for, like, Verizon or something? Where where he's in his house and he's blowing everything up. And, like, you know why? Because it's awesome. And he puts a button and something explodes. Now, now, Gerard, you and I butted heads and you called me pretentious in the past when it came to some movies. So, and this whole thing with me versus Zack Snyder here, what do you think? You know, be brutal. I completely agree with you. Zack Snyder is a hack who needs to be run out of town on a ra- No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't go that far. Um, he, he's he's awful. He makes awful movies. But what makes him irritating to me is, like you said, he has this this idea that he's out. He's up there in the clouds. He's making movies for people with open minds and who who appreciate the art of filmmaking. And I'm like, dude, you're making trash for for for, dollar, for you know dime theaters that no longer exist. This <laughs> isn't a cartoon. This is for grown ups. What was it? He, he was trying to. It, it's an infamous line that Red Letter Media made fun of, where he was talking about how, well, well I wanted to do it this way because it, it has more cinematic markers. I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about, you dingus? Just, just, just show a scene of Superman punching a dude and shut your mouth, please. Twitter, Hopefully not breaking somebody's neck. Like, oh, I, oh never mind. He's all screaming, all screaming savagely. Yeah. He just said on Twitter yesterday that this movie is for grown-ups, you know, in this very sneering, condescending way towards any other movie that features a comic book character. He is like, it's like he's he's trying to be Chris Nolan, but Chris Nolan is not an arrogant... I mean, he, he has arrogance, but he's not like overly pretentious. Here's the difference. Christopher <laughs> Nolan actually does have ability... Yeah, Zack Snyder made three hundred. <laughs> There's the difference. Look, I, I, from the from the man who made three hundred and Sucker Punch and that stupid CGI movie about owls. <laughs> and and oh no, he didn't. Like I want I want to I want to blame Frank him for Frank Miller's stuff. Never mind. <laughs> uh, but like I say, it's. <sighs> Oh, he even misunderstood Frank Miller's stuff. Frank Miller actually had Batman smash a gun in half, saying this is the weapon of the enemy. We do not use these. Then Batman versus Superman comes out, and he's like, he's like breaking out the Uzis and mowing down. Alfred, get me the bat, Tommy God. <laughs> but sir, I don't believe that's a good idea. Get me the bat, Tommy God. 
do you bleed? <laughs> All right. I mean, that, that, that actually came out of Batman's mouth. To Superman, do you bleed? By the way, what's your, what, Greg, uh, what what do you think, handicapping, what do you think the chances are there's a scene in the in the Snyder Cut of Justice League where Superman has a beard and he goes, hold on, I need to shave this beard for a second? Zero. Mm. I would love it if he did, but no, zero. <laughs> you know what, you're right, Zack Snyder is, is too, he doesn't have that level of self-awareness, you're right. Yes. He won't poke fun at himself. Ugh. Nope. All right. Let's 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 talk about something good. Really? Because we're gonna talk about subtext today. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Greg, I think do you have the recap, my friend? Yes, I do. All right. All right. So now that we have a preview of Gerard's review, but you know what, Gerard, I missed you so much. I'm really glad you're here. So I'm sure. So everything is all good. I'm gonna begin our um, summary. We open up at Montana's Big Sky Billiards Room. Spidey is face-to-face with a walking fire hazard, the Molten Man, his skin covered in a superheated metallic alloy. This intense new adversary is setting everything he touches ablaze, and Spidey can't lay a punch on him because of the heat. As Spidey gets thrown across the burning room, he spots Mary Jane Watson and Liz Allen hiding behind the counter, as if he didn't have enough... Send me that sound clip. (laughs) (laughs) as if he didn't have enough to worry about already the scene flashes back to earlier that day where peter's waiting to meet liz by the fountain and apologize for his lackluster performance as her boyfriend liz has her own problems as her brother mark has not been seen for days and she is worried that he's gotten back into gambling she explains that mark has been a habitual gambler but is frequently in debt to his bookkeeper blackie gaxon and often ends up in more trouble when he resorts to crime in order to repay his loans he had recently gotten out of juvie after stealing a car for example harry chimes in and explains that mark can only help stop his addiction when he's ready but peter decides to turn to spider-man as a first step at the big sky mark is indeed in deep with blackie but is confident that he'll win it all back on his next horse race suddenly the green goblin flies in to announce his ownership as a new big man and he approaches blackie with a favor Blackie is eager to oblige. He's just got the perfect sap for the job. (laughs) Blackie takes Mark to an abandoned police station, station, which has been converted into a laboratory run by Norman Osborne and Dr. Miles Warren. Having studied the subdermal process that created Sandman, Dr. Warren claims to have perfected it through nanotechnology, and Blackie is offered that Mark be the first test subject in exchange for striking his debts. The process succeeds and leaves Mark with his indestructible subdermal coating on his skin, which he can mentally switch on and off at will. With his new powers, no debt, and a complimentary hundred bucks from Blackie, Mark heads to a racetrack in Yonkers in hopes of continuing his hot streak, unaware that Spidey is watching from afar. When his horse comes in last, Mark is so distraught that his armor activates against his will, then superheats itself until he's setting fire to the track. Spidey is forced to intervene, but the molten man overpowers him and escapes. Meanwhile, Mary Jane has come to visit Liz. Liz thinks that she's trying to drive a wedge between her and Peter, but Mary Jane explains it's not like that. Her main concern is that she knows Mark is gambling again, and Liz asks that she be taking them. Mark immediately returns to Blackie at the Big Sky, but now the Green Goblin has entered. The Goblin explains that Mark was never in control of his armor, but was being manipulated through remote control to think he was. 
jumping on Mark's despair, the Goblin agrees to relinquish control over to him if he eliminates Spider-Man, a bet he can't refuse. As if on cue, Spidey arrives at the big sky, and Mark immediately tears through the bar to get to him just as MJ and Liz arrive and recognize him. As the fight catches up to the present moment in time, Mark burns and tears the big sky to pieces, and Spidey is barely able to get the girls and Blackie to safety. Oi, it's a bitsy! What about me? Liz and Mary Jane try to get Mark to stop gambling with his life, but Mark refuses to listen and continues his assault. Spidey is able to eventually cool Mark off by spraying him with water from a fire hydrant and webbing him up, and the goblin shuts off his armor in secret before flying away. Faced with the thought of her brother going to prison again, Liz breaks down into tears while MJ and Peter try to console her. At the very least, the experience gives the girls the emotional drive during the rehearsals for the school play. Elsewhere at ESU, Dr. Kurt Connors has discovered, quote-unquote, Dr. Warren's notes on subdermal armor and is appalled. When he threatens to go to the board of the evidence, Warren calmly informs Connors that the board is already in his favor. To emphasize, Warren brings up his own damning evidence of Connors' transformation to the lizard and tells him to keep his four tongue quiet and to slink off with his tail between his legs now when his partnership first started gerard here said that two scientists usually don't like to usually because of egos don't like to share the same lab well he was right <laughs> and We're gonna, we'll get, we'll, we can we can have t-shirts made that say gerard was right <laughs> yeah gerard knows that scientists are douchebags <laughs> <laughs> and here, and that's the summary of our episode. And Jard has already uh, kind of made hinted that this is going to be a contentious one. So where should we get started? Hmm. Well, okay. Let me start with some things that I like about the episode. All right, we'll do that. Um, I the structure was was interesting because they start uh, kind of midway where you have the Molten Man is already doing all of his business. He's wrecking kind of the, the Montana's bar. Was it, or Billiard Hall or wherever it is. Yeah, Blue Sky Billiards. No, it's a Big Sky Billiards. Yeah, yeah, Zach, you're from Texas. Yeah, yeah, Montana is the Big Sky state. So, yeah. But anyway, um, so... Montana's from yeah. Texas. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but... Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, so... And it keeps going back and forth. I think that structure ends up helping the episode. Because, honestly, if it's shown in sequence, you realize that this is kind of an idiot plot. <laughs> which bothered me about it. Um, so, so Mark Raxton has... Or I'm, I keep calling him Mark Raxton, I'm sorry. Mark Allen. Well, he's only, well, that's only because, obviously, Stan didn't decide that he was related to Liz, and that didn't come in until much later. Right. Yeah. Mark Allen... I'm probably going to call him Raxon a whole bunch of times and screw up anyway. Don't, but that's, that's Don't worry about it, yeah. <laughs> Although, now that I think about it, if he had his old name, it would be Raxton and Gaxton in this episode. That would be very confusing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. But it could so, be fit, confusing in a fun way. Or you can call him Bennett Brandt. Or, or John Byrne would have made them related, though, because their, their names rhyme. Oh, yeah, of course. You have to explain everything. <laughs> Chapter one is good garbage. Anyway, okay, we're not talking about that. Remember what we said last week, last time about uh, Liz and uh, kind of filling the Betty role? This is the biggest example of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I like that Miles Warren shows up, and he is basically just a mega asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> like where he's threatening... Um, Connors at the end and all that stuff. Like I, I, I like that. It's it's setting up 
you know, pieces on the chessboard that I'll never use because somebody flipped the chessboard at the end of the season. Uh, but Damn it, Disney. But for good teases nonetheless. Um, and generally speaking, I, I like the idea of what they were doing here of having uh, Mark basically just as a pawn. Okay, we're just going to test this. Because I, I got the impression this was basically the first time Warren was testing this. Or his his new version of Ox process. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I could see like plot wise why this makes sense, but it there are so many little things that bothered me about this episode. Like the fact that like I said, it basically just is an idiot plot for Mark Raxon. Or fair, damn it, I did it again, Mark Allen. To be fair, Mark is kind of an idiot. But it, there's also a lot of strange things happening. Like, I, I was watching this with, with Zach, and, and he... I've, I said this, and he, he had a laugh over it. Which is, so, the Molten Man is running amok at presumably Belmont Park. I think that's where they are. That would have been the Oscars. Uh, that's where the racetrack is. Yeah. Um, how Spider-Man got there is anyone's question. <laughs> uh, but A bus. But he's, he's running... The commuter. The commuter strikes. <laughs> when cometh the computer. No, but, uh, so, he's running wild. At one point, uh, they, Spider-Man and he just kind of pass through, like, the, the ceremony where they're honoring the winner, and I'm thinking, wait, are they just continuing like nothing is happening? Like, they're just continuing their usual race day festivities as if a flaming, like, lava man just didn't just walk out onto the middle of the fairway here. Like, what are we doing? What is going on in this episode? Wow, that's um, again. I didn't even notice that. No, like, they have the winner's circle, and they're all standing around taking pictures and interviewing them. We're like, this is, like, mid-fight. Like, why are they doing this? You think people would have run by now? It's, it's the bit where, like, Spidey gets like knocks knocks the horse like completely over and has the winner uh, like sash ar- draped around his neck. It's like let, it's like let, somebody let, at NBC was like, no, 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 we're not. We don't we don't stop for superhero fights. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do this this way. We're gonna the show must go on. It's like a producer's like screaming in their ear. <laughs> well, no, no, they had to do that for the for the sight gag of of. Yeah. The, the set, but it make logically it makes absolutely no sense. That would be like if somebody ran into like the you know the middle of the Oscars and started firing shots, and somebody went up there and started giving their acceptance speech. So like it doesn't make any sense. Speaking of the Oscars, oh no, there is a quip where it's like, oh, oh an Oscar for me? Oh, maybe I'll have an Emmy instead. I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. And Gerard just looks at me like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Tell him exactly what I said. Uh, uh. uh. Something about- I said it's a little self-serving for a TV writer to write that line. <laughs> yeah, it is. But you know what? Occasionally they're entitled to be a little bit. I mean, God knows I'd be. I'm- Generally speaking, I don't know. This was very just a weak, uneven episode to me. I There's a lot of strange occurrences and logic happening here. And there's some in the next episode as well, but not as much. I, I just... Something about this doesn't feel right. I, I Maybe it needed another, like just pass on the script or something. I, I don't know. But it, especially after the previous episode, which was such a, a high, high, it, it felt off to me that it was, that it just dropped off that dramatically. I, I this is a very uneven installment. I'll say that. Well, I hope Nicole doesn't hear this episode. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> 
Yeah, Love we you. just had her on. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> hey, look, look. I'm I'm glad that you're not somebody who tries to handcuff me because you're trying to curry favor with with people that you want to have as guests on your podcast. That would be terrible. So, but no, sir. But no, seriously. Like I, I, I do enjoy the freedom that I get to occasionally rip on things about this show, and you don't mind because at least I'm trying to explain myself. Yeah, no, and I'm like, I, I, like I. Look, I mean, look, I, I can disagree with your views while at least saying at least you're coming at it from a well thought out place. I mean, you go onto your average internet forum or Facebook post, and you'll see people talking about movies and TV without really. They'll say shit that they don't know what, where they have no idea what they're talking about. They'll just sprout off random nonsense. I mean, this movie is full of political pandering. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it is. Oh, good lord! I mean, I I don't really want to go there, but the only thing I'm going to say is that I feel like the culture wars of the last five years have ruined a lot of film and television for that comic and for that example storytelling criticism on all sides of the spectrum. No, yes. I, yeah. I, I, you know, it, it's there. There are some people who are trying to push their political agendas, and then there are other people who are seeing like boogeymen of that when it's not there. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, that that's just that's ruined the entire discourse. I you're, think, you're right I, about I think any sane and reasonable person can, no matter what, no matter what your stance is, can agree with that. Yes. I'm sure someone will disagree because, like we said, this course has been ruined. But, but again, it's one of those things where you ha- we have always we don't the three of us don't agree a hundred percent on every single thing in life, whether it be whether it be comics, TV, film. Like Gerard won't read modern comics; he's basically sworn off modern comics, and you know, completely understandable considering some of the uh, the the. the Flame Wars that he he had to participate in due to um, Danny DeVito lookalikes, but um, <laughs> oh. but the fact remains is that even though that like Gerard's taste in film and my taste in film aren't necessarily the same, but I appreciate what he bring somebody's opinion that's the thing is that you can you can respectfully agree to disagree mm-hmm. on an opinion i like this episode but i, I do i, I do, do I, 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 just, it has yeah, I, I like it and i agree also i do also think that this is one of the weaker episodes of the series and i and i say that while i like it i mean a weak episode of this show i tend to think is also a high quality episode of most comic book television shows uh, especially you know basically after earth's mighty's heroes ended like to me that's the last truly exceptional cross-generational i've seen o- I, i've seen TV. only four episodes of ultimate and i've never seen a single frame of marvel's current spider-man cartoon i i i i, I like force-fed myself through season one of of the marvel's spider-man uh, I watched most of Ultimate. Um, there was things that I the 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 longer the show went with Ultimate, the better it got. When they finally got away from the handcuffs that was Shield, <laughs> like Shield became an aspect of it. When it stopped being Spider Man and his amazing friends for you know the new millennium, uh, it got so better. So, but so what you're saying is Shield was the Tony Stark of that show. Basically, yes. I mean, it's it, it it had 
especially the last really season and a half, two seasons of of Ultimate was marked markedly better. But the bar was so low that it basically went from being to where you had to step over it to where you had to climb over the bar. Yeah. And why? <laughs> and why am I bringing all this up? Because to keep things in, in perspective, as we know, even when we're critical of this show, that it's still a high quality Spider Man and comic book. Exactly. Show, especially it, compared. It, yeah. To, yeah. It's one of those things when, with the Spidey experience, I had to do a lot of compare and contrasting of Slot's run because there was things that were being fixed from the Slot brand new day era that were broken. So you have to discuss why that happens. And and you know now that we've kind of done the first two episodes of that show, as of this recording, I you know it's going to start building on to the to the next towards the next big major arc where they kind of address the Craven thing. Um, in that, and but after that, it really starts being its own thing. Agreed. Yeah, after that first well, year, well, we'll discuss that more on that show. But yeah. I will say this: I know there was some discussion when this episode aired about the gambling subplot, and when I what I got when I was reading those comments was that a lot of people didn't quite get that gambling is an addiction as well as any substance can be. I mean, I've only ever gambled once, and that was when I went to Vegas with some friends back in 2005. I was at the blackjack tables. I was doing really well, and I had a friend with a good sense to when I was 500 up, enough to pay for my hotel room for the entire weekend, he pulled me away from the blackjack table and pretty much forbid me from going back. And the thing is, I was feeling that rush, so I'm not going to say that I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a gambling addict. I've only ever done it once, but I can eat but I can easily see how someone could become a gambling addict. Let, let me just say that you just hit on something that I forgot to articulate well from my notes here, which is that the episode does play it like like it's a, you know a serious problem as far as the characters that aren't Mark. But the scene where he goes to slap his money down to continue betting is almost like it's played for comedy, and I felt really uncomfortable about that. Yeah. I think it was intended to show that he, like, because the scene before he says, maybe I should stop while I'm ahead, yet it's like then slap cut to him slapping the money down. I appreciated the fact that that in this and, you know, also in season one with the Gobulin Green, is that this is a very adult topic. And as a result, being an adult a topic, it it's not played dumbed down terribly much. It is treated with seriousness. So I appreciated that aspect of that, of this episode mm-hmm. in the fact that it does talk about that, you know, addiction can have multiple forms. It's not just drugs, right? It's, it can be gambling. And look, I've been gambling. Uh, I went to Vegas back in November. I, I had a great time, but you know, go with a friend who has your best interests at heart. Well, and and you're the first night, you know, go go with go with us, you know, with some money. The first night is kind of feeling out how the table games at the specific casinos you're at work, because especially in Vegas, they're all different. Uh, the ones that I went to, um, which was uh, uh, the Flamingo. You know, I could do side bets. I made more money on side bets than I did on like at the at the blackjack table than I did anything else. I played craps. I played slots. I didn't make anything in slots. You're listening to Spectacular Radio, the show that does not endorse <laughs> the cool sin of gambling. But at the same time, like you, it's one of those things where 
over time, most people, you start to learn that there is a point of which you walk away. And, um, you know, because the house is always going to win. Yeah. And that's that's the point that 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 uh, Mark is go- is having to learn the hard way is that, you know, he's betting on these horses and I, I love the horse names. Those those were fun. That that aspect of it. Yeah, those are names of several writers of the series. And he also he's dealing with a guy like Blackie Jackson. I mean, this is the guy who Tombstone called last time when after Hammerhead betrayed him. This guy's a hardened gangster. Yeah, this is this. this he's not just a bookie, um, but also uh, Blackie Gaxton, a name we you know that's really problematic in twenty twenty. <laughs> glad they used it. You know, well, I mean, look, it is it is a character. He's from the '80s. He was a a pawn the of 60s. a goblin. Just... Yeah, he's from the '60s. Oh, is he from the '60s? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he worked with. Don were, it, it was actually funny because it was one of those reused names because they also had Blackie Drago in the oh, same that, time period. Yeah, Blackie Drago and Blackie Gaxton. Stan really likes uh, that name. Stan. Uh, <laughs> oh, past tense. Rest in peace, Stan. Yeah, R.I.P. Stan. Love the, the love the name Blackie. Um, who was the okay? So who's the mobster that that uh, Hobgoblin used? Um, you're thinking of Lefty Donovan. Lefty Donovan. Okay, Lefty that's Donovan. what I was thinking. I was getting him and Lefty Donovan confused. Who I am sure would have been an on-screen character in season three. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, so, like, I thought uh, generally, genuinely, I thought that that for some reason that Lefty Donovan and, and and Blackie were the same person. So, like, when you know he gets in bed with a goblin, I'm like, oh, here's the guy getting in bed with a goblin. So now that that entire note is just you know. <laughs> Let me ask a quick question. Uh, how old are these characters supposed to be again? Um, let's see. The, 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 Mark, the kids. Mark is definitely over 18 because he was... I, okay, yeah. I was just going to yeah. ask. Because he, he, I, was, he was a senior when he went to Juvie, so he had to... So technically before this all went down, he was repeating his senior year. Yeah, okay. He, he, he could have been 17 when he went to Juvie, and then he became 18 because then he ends up in prison next episode. So yeah, because I was trying to ask about the legality of his gambling... <laughs> and well, whether or not he would have been allowed to be placing bets, yeah. but well, I that, suppose that... well, I suppose that would have been a problem with the racetrack. I don't think it would have been a problem with Blackie. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying like the fact that they were allowing him to bet on racehorses in person like that. I, I, I do have a, I do have one complaint about that. I'll uh, that Gerard probably will agree with the overuse of gambling terms in the dialogue was very on the nose. <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, like, especially towards the end, he's like, that's a sucker's you know, bet. That's a sucker's bet, you know, and, and I get that that's kind of part of his characterization and that's what Peter is playing into, yeah, but like, Spidey oh was, man. Yeah, Spidey was goading him. Yeah, I don't mind uh, Blackie Gaxton talking like that. Right, because he's a bookie. Because yeah, that's his thing. But yeah, it, it was getting a little out of hand. It got a little out of hand with Mark, and I, I don't disagree with Peter using that as a means to goad Mark. However, however, that does play into the it's, it's uncomfortably played for comedy aspect. Yeah, of it. and so that's where I, I kind of have. Uh, a bit I, of an issue okay. with the dialogues. I never quite thought it was played for comedy. At least I never thought it was funny. But you know what? That's uh, but that's I guess that's my perspective. So, but I but if it came off that way to you, I definitely can understand where you're coming from and what, where you might find that 
a little bit uncomfortable. Switching over to a positive, let's talk about what a tour de we did last time with Greg, but let's talk about what a tour de force Steve Bloom is in this episode. He's not only the Green yes. Goblin, he's Blackie Gaxton. Yep, he played both. Um, he is he was a, like the, especially those scenes where he's talking to himself, <laughs> and just it's you know it, it was done all it wasn't edited that way. It was him talking to himself was incredibly well done. Uh, he was definitely, he's definitely MVP of the series. Can I, can I ask a question, Greg? You'll have insight on this. Yeah. Why is Blackie Jackson Australian? He's English. He's supposed to be English. Oh, really? And it's a, it's an accent. And if you, now granted, Gerard hasn't been able to listen to the, uh, to the interview yet, but, but Greg loved that accent and has used that particular voice across like three or four shows. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of. Greg's favorite voices with yeah, uh, yeah. It started with a character on Witch, which uh, Greg didn't create that, but he kind of inherited that character. And because he liked that voice so much, he built that character up when he did, when he took control of the show in the second season. Then he did that voice for a henchman in Young Justice, and then it became the voice of Zeb in Star Wars Rebels. Hmm. So he's used it across four different shows. <laughs> now, now, now I'm just starting to worry why I heard that. As, it sounded Australian to me, but like, if you're saying it's I, English, I believe. I had to speak Australian. Foster's Australian for beer. You know Australians will hang you if you tell them about Foster's beer? <laughs> they, they think that's the worst piss they could drink. It, anyway. it, it's like, well, it's like, um, it's like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like those that don't like Coors Light, you know, trying to get somebody that's like, not from like Colorado or something like that to drink Coors. Yeah. yeah. You know? And Blackie is also one of those fun 60s characters I like seeing brought back because let's face it, he's more interesting than Lucky Lobo, even in even in his original comic. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I'm going to second something that Gerard said. Miles Warren is a magnificent freaking bastard, and I love it. Like <laughs> I like this this characterization of Miles is like he is a jackass, and that's okay because guess what? He's such a jackass. He wants to play God and create clones. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me tell you, someone who's went to college and was around a lot of people who would become scientists and doctors and all that stuff. A lot of them are like this. <laughs> I mean, they 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 will they will ask you to borrow your scalpel and then stab you in the back with it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, when you when you were talking about this way back when, in, at the beginning of the season, I was holding my tongue. You're right, right, and and it's it's one of those things where, yeah, when you watch it, especially over, you know, if you binge it in a season. It very much is clear that that there was going to be a conflict between Connors and uh, and and Miles to be built in season three. Yeah, the and first yeah the, like, fir- yeah the first time we see Miles, he seems relatively normal and pleasant at the at the dinner at, at the Osborne penthouse, and then in the next episode, he's genetically engineering Craven. He's got a gun hidden behind his back, and we find out that the guy's a really good and very talented liar. Then we see him subtly and then blatantly taking control of the lab from Connors in the Colonel Jupiter mm-hmm. episode. And let's be honest, yeah. Connor, the Connors are good people, but they also kind of deserve to lose control of the lab because a lot of shit happened on their watch. Not intentionally, but... Right. No, yes. and, and, and also, like, this episode really 
when you watch it, and, and you know, obviously, you know, we're going to get into this, especially yeah. in the next couple episodes. Well, yeah, let's get our Miles Warren talk in now because this is going to be our last chance to do it. Yeah, you clearly see that he he understands the intricacies of Oscorp. Okay, he under he understand he clearly understands things that the, that the the viewer may or may not understand. Well, and okay. so. Well, apparently when we talked with Greg, this wasn't a long-term plan that he and Norman cooked up. I mean, Norman brought him in to do the supervillain stuff later. He did, That wasn't pre-planned right. right away at the beginning of the season, but... No, what I, but my point is, is that had there been a season three, had there been clones involved, you very much know that Norman was going to be involved with it. Maybe, and maybe. You know, it's it's one of those things that I kind of feel like this was kind of a nugget that was going to be building towards towards a clone saga in in a future yeah. season. I made a joke in our interview with Greg and Nicole about how I wonder if we would have seen Miles sniffing Gwen's hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Let me chaperone you two on a date. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe he would have. <laughs> Un- unintentional foreshadowing. Maybe he would have. I mean, who knows if they would have if they would have actually gone there? But um, that would have been. That would have been a tough one to get going, but yeah, yeah I think Nicole really laughed at, really hard on that particular. Oh, thing. Nic- oh, Nicole enjoyed being evil with us. <laughs> so yeah, no, I like I say, he was he has been a very like Minkin is is slimy in his own ways, yeah, but and not in like, this episode. <laughs> yeah, but like definitely, you know, we love his voice actor, but you know, but. But Miles is, yeah, Miles is just, you know, this is where you get to see the the true villainy of of Miles Warren, aka the Jackal in the comics. Oh, as far as I'm concerned, this would have, would have this is the first appearance of the Jackal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, the comics always presented him as like somebody who was initially well intentioned and who became twisted later i like the idea here that he was always a bad seed uh-huh. and it was his ambition and stuff like that that caused him to become more and more villainous as time went on oh i mean the oh, one yeah. thing that oh, I, oh we, that got, pl- I, we got plenty of world building early on i mean we when at the dinner scene aaron warren his brother referred to him as his shot as his hot shot younger brother obviously he was mm-hmm. for a while i mean yeah i mean they probably wouldn't have gone there, but Wendigore Mountain, well, maybe, you know. No, no. <laughs> yeah. and, and yes, it is good that they introduced his brother first, right? Because that warms the idea that oh, it's it's his brother. He's also going to be a you know a positive, like a good guy, kind of along those lines. And then you realize, no, 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 no. he's the opposite. Yeah, it, it's a tale of opposites with the brothers. And I'll say this: I, you know, we we jo- you joke about the Wendigore Mountain thing, but. The one only redeeming factor of that particular issue that we're talking about, which episode 33 of Clone Saga Chronicles, um, which is spectacular or Scarlet Spider Unlimited number one, is that that really does paint uh, Miles Warren as driven by his own hubris. I mean, this is a guy that literally got his entire family killed by a genetically altered jackal man. Um, Spoilers. And like basically killed off his entire family because basically he just wanted to, you know, play God. And that's, 
that hubris of uh, is often lost because they want to lean into the I'm the jokey jackal or, uh, you know, I'm just obsessed with a dead woman. Well, no, there, there has to be a, the whole thing is driven off hubris. There, and then cycling back to the beginning of the season, there's a line that Aaron has about Miles being back. Mother will be thrilled. And you can tell Aaron was more of the mama's boy, whereas I don't think Miles is that at all. No, no Miles, Miles probably, to me, probably hated his brother. And because his brother, you know, was in that, you know, he's a principal, he's a great guy. He was probably one of those that was just was, exceptional. He wasn't the principal, he was a high school teacher, he wasn't the principal. You're thinking of Principal oh, yeah. Davis. Don't forget Principal Davis, that great, important character. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, like, at the same time, you know, this is a guy that's very, like, his brother is very well liked. Everybody, you know, adores him as a teacher. And I, I'm pretty sure that that was the same way in life. And, there is a jealousy I feel with Miles, and yes, we're reading way into these characters than we probably should. But there, you know, have, if, you, if listened, I was, have you listened to Greg talk about them? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, at, at the same time, like Miles should be driven by just pure jealousy, rage, and hubris, and that's how I feel that the character works. And um, let's see, I definitely enjoy the Goblin taking over the rackets. I mean, I, I like that throwback to the 60s when he was a crime figure. He was this wannabe gangster. He wanted to take control of the underworld. He wanted to be the next kingpin. Yeah, and it also kind of gives gives way to like the kind of teenage-like tendencies where you might still think that this is Harry, right? Because like a teenager would be like, I'm going to take over the underworld because why? Because I can, you know? <laughs> Um, well, when we discuss, we'll, we'll, we'll go into this further when we get to final curtain. I am sure, but yeah. but it does play. Here's, that's geez, three episodes from now. Two so, episodes well, from now. Two episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, two episodes of, of the series. I think it's three episodes of the or four episodes of our show. But yeah, uh, Gerard, you got anything else on your notes? No. Which are great. Oh, I didn't give it a grade. Um, I'm giving this one a C plus. As much as I ragged on it, it is still above average for like quality wise. It's just a low bar for this series. I, Greg, would you? I give it a. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it a B minus. I do like the ep- Well, I do like the episode. I do agree that there's some. There's always been something about it that I felt was missing. I'm so not quite sure what it is. I'm not going to even say. Not even necessarily another draft of the script, but there was a little bit of polish that I kind of felt was missing in certain areas. But um, I did think it was a a lot of fun in places. I mean, yeah, the green goblin and the trench coat and the hat is ridiculous, but I've decided to be, <laughs> but I was watching, it's like, okay, I can either be amused by this or annoyed. I'm going to be amused by this. I mean, if they had done that in the comic, it would have been a guy in a trench coat and a hat with the, with his face completely shadowed. But since theoretically, this is still Harry Osborn. I mean, I can see why they <laughs> wanted to sidestep that, and sidestep that entirely instead of getting us to ask questions before we were re- they were ready for us to start asking these questions. Yeah, I remember Ger- like watching. I was watching it with Gerard. Gerard's like, "Oh my god, really?" <laughs> like with the Green Goblin. But no, and, 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 uh, at, the same, at the same time, the Green Goblin strikes me as a character who has a sadistic enough sense of humor to do that. Yeah, right. I will say this. 
Mary Jane also was an MVP of this episode. Mary I Jane Liz... having a starring role always makes me happy. Yeah, uh, Liz had it like the, the the conversation with Liz. I thought was very very organic. Um, so I did enjoy that aspect. But I I'm to give this a grade. I'm going to give it a B minus as well. Uh, it, it's not it's not the highlights of the series, but I think. It, it definitely is so much better than so much so many other shows. Yeah. So I gotta give it. I gotta give it at least a B minus. Can I cycle back to Liz? I said this during the interview, but I love that scene where she just explodes at Peter. I mean, it's not even just about her brother. It's everything just coming to the forefront. Oh, and you, then, you, and then you like, know the relationship is doomed. I mean, it. it, it and then Peter's like, trying to salvage it because he's a he's an idiot. And also, to her, but to her credit, also she lets him try to salvage it there. Yeah, she's giving him enough rope to hang himself on. And we'll definitely talk about that more next episode. All right, so that's two B-minuses and one C-plus. Yeah. It wasn't as low as I thought. It wasn't as low as I thought it was going to be. All right. <laughs> all right. And, and in the meantime, before we get going, once again, we want to hear from you. Yeah, that voicemail line is 818-925-6631. The, the email address is spectacularradio at gmail.com. Uh, on the voicemail line, be sure to leave your name, where you're calling from, what show you're calling about, and keep it under three minutes. If you happen to go over and you still got a point you want to make, uh, let us know, or you can always recall and, and continue your thought. We'll try to splice those together, but uh, it's just a little easier if you keep it under three minutes. So, like I say, we want to hear this feedback from you guys so we can kind of play this uh, on the show for our final Curtain episode. We're on limited time now. Yes, a 26-episode cartoon turned into a six-year podcast. But you know what? We're getting there. We're approaching the finish line. This is going to happen. You can't ever say that we didn't start something and, and not finish it. I mean, let's let's be real. We finished the Clone Saga. Wait, like oh great, oh great, Zach! Now one of us is gonna die before final curtain. Let's <laughs> knock on some wood. All right, there we go. I knocked on some wood. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, the goal is to finish what we started, and I think we're getting exceptionally close. So, uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to our next episode where we're covering um, opening night. Opening night, yes, it is opening night with the Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. Same spectacular times, same spectacular channel. If you're smart, you'll keep your forked tongue quiet and slink off with your tail between your legs. You bad man! You very, very bad man!